KQED. Hey, Cooler listeners. Before we get started today, a bit of news for all of you. The Cooler is hosting our second ever live show in San Francisco on March 21st at the Chapel in the Mission. Theme is 90s Slumber Party. Get into it. Put on your PJs. Come hang out with us. I-R-L. To find out more about how you can attend, go to our Twitter page at KQED Pop and pinned at the top will be more information about how you can get tickets, what you should wear, and a cute little Photoshop of our faces in front of a 90s background. And now, on with the show. Hey everyone, I'm Emmanuel. I'm Kali. And I'm Jamitra. And we're the hosts of The Cooler. This week, who run the world? Girls from history who were taken out of the history books. Exactly. So we're going to visit with some of them all around the world. And you will never look at clogged shoes the same way again. <laughs> we'll also be talking about how you can be so high and then so low. We're looking at you, Iggy Azalea. Also, for perhaps the first time in cooler history, props to a man on this show. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It is officially Women's History Month. Finally. Oh, does this mean I can take off my bra? Yes. <laughs> Hello. Want to burn it? <laughs> Let's do it. Burn Let's do it. that. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to bring one tale of, say, a woman who was written out of history. Mm. Just but what? guess what? There's a lot of them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's the trouble when you have so many to pick from. And so many men writing history books. <gasps> They're just like, yeah, if we have to cut something out, all the women chapters. So I thought it would be fun if we take a trip around the world oh. to visit Ooh. some women who did not get their shine. Well, let me grab my passport. So let's start in Egypt. Ooh. You down to go? I'm, I'm down. So down. Okay. Wait, how are we getting there? Are we traveling west or east? Shimmer teleportation. Oh. It's faster. Ooh. Okay. Our first homegirl's name is Shajar al-Dur. Shajar is born, yay, mm-hmm. as a servant. Damn it. Mm. And she is purchased by the Sultan of Egypt. Mm. I mean, if you have to be bought by someone, I guess the Sultan. Guess. Mm. I don't know. It's weird. I mean, maybe you can get a promotion. Well, I'm glad you said that okay. because she was promoted from servant to his wife and childbearer. He Ooh. fell in love with her face and her mind. That's a risky promotion. I was going to say. Was she in a position to say no? I think she was in charge of her own destiny, and she knew where she wanted to be, which was at the top. And so I think she had a choice, and she said, hell yeah, let's do this. Feels true. Feels true. Yeah. So things were looking up. But then mm. her husband, who had terrible timing, randomly croaks, while Louis the Ninth, who was the most powerful ruler in the world at this point, is trying to start a seventh crusade against Egypt. God damn it. Pick a better time to die. Yeah. And so she's like, once all of these people find out that my man is dead, they're going to attack even harder. There goes the dynasty. There goes my life, probably. Mm -hmm. There goes my child's life. Not today. (laughs) (laughs) So she was like, well, if I didn't tell anyone that he died... Then technically... This is some kind of Egyptian Weekend at Bernie stuff. I'm glad you said that as well, because I was like, get this woman her rightful screenwriting credit for Weekend at Bernie's. (laughs) If a sultan dies in his palace and nobody sees, did he die? Just slap on sunglasses, prop him up. It's fine. Easy. So she was like, yeah, he's not feeling well. You can't go into the bedchamber. There's nothing in there. There's not a dead body or anything. Nothing to see. Mm -mm. Definitely no smell. And so she starts making all the war decisions. And not only does she defeat the French, which no one thought was possible, 
but she also captured Louis the Ninth. You better she come. She was through. like, "Oh, I got your letter that said you were going to kill us. <laughs> now what?" Incidentally, I've never heard anyone talk about any other Louis than uh, Louis the Fourteenth. Well, the Ninth is so shameful of a story that they don't talk about it. How embarrassing for you, Louis. Yeah, we don't know her. The defeat was such a gag for the French that they were beside themselves and were like, "Okay, well, oh, they were always beside." We themselves. prayed to our God, who definitely didn't hear our prayers so he must not be real maybe we should convert to islam oh. and so a lot of them did mon dieu right <laughs> Woo. mon autre dieu <laughs> the other one she also ransoms off louis the ninth for 30 percent of france's annual revenue or whatever oh. but she got away with it Come so through. she starts rolling everything's fine but there's this other guy who says he's the rightful successor his name is Turan Shah. And mm. Turan Shah is like gloating about like, ooh, I got this and starts treating people terribly. And she uses that to her advantage. And she's like, don't you hate how he's treating you? Let's kill him. Ooh. So here's how they kill him. First, they stab him. Then he flees to a nearby tower to like recuperate and get away. They set the tower on fire. Oh, He jumps from the tower into a river and they shoot him with spears. He doesn't die. So someone has to wade into the river and just hack him to death. This is like when you see a spider in the bathroom and use disproportionate force. <laughs> yeah. And it just like jumps on your face. Yeah, yeah. You're trying to vacuum it up. It's crazy. Oh. But you know, if he was a woman, Khaleesi perhaps, he would have mm-hmm. been able to walk through the fire and survive. Yeah. Once again. Women rule. Exactly. <laughs> women's History Month. <laughs> once, once again, Women's History Month is sponsored by Game of Thrones. <laughs> so he's dead and out of the way. Hmm. Great. She's the official sultan. She makes coins with her face on it. She's leading prayers, which is unheard of. It's amazing. But people don't realize the husband's dead? Or is that cat out oh, of the bag? Oh, they know what this oh, point sounds like. They had found out. <laughs> Eventually. The smell was pungent. But as we know, misogynist going to misogynist. Mm-hmm. So people oh, weren't comfortable with her ruling. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, no, no. We really want a penis in the palace. Mm. And she's... <laughs> <laughs> that is the name of my memoir. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, fine, fine, fine. Uh, let's see. That guy over there will do. He was the taste tester of the dead sultan. And he seems like willing to let her run things. Until a few years into their situation, he gets another wife. Oh, no. Mm-mm. She's like, LOL, have you met me? Have, have you, you heard the stories? Have Hacked to death me? in a river. Mm. That's going to be you. So she has her servants attack him while he's taking a bath. They stab him, and she rubs soap in his eyes while he's being <gasps> killed. I am seeing a pattern with this woman. Okay. <laughs> Water and stabbing. <laughs> so like all rebels, there's the end of the road eventually. She got caught for that death, and mm. they were like, okay, we need to kill her. She's trouble. I love and- it with like the, the soap that was the tip off. Okay. <laughs> And so they're like, okay, how are we going to kill her? They mm. armed assassins with clogs and clogged her to death. Are you Uh-oh. serious? God. Shoes. After everything I've done for y'all. Mm-mm. But she left a legacy. 300 years of ruling from a servant class because she was a servant. Mm-hmm. Her people keep ruling. It's pretty badass. To be bludgeoned to death with a shoe is embarrassing. But does it have to be a clog? I don't know. The least cheek of the items. And I do know that some love Mm. clogs. Some who? (laughs) Do Irish people like clogs? That's a great question, Emmanuel. I'm glad you asked. As a representative of all of the Irish people, (laughs) um, I'm going to say yeah. Great. So let's go to Ireland next. (laughs) You like that segue? Oh. (laughs) We're in Ireland now. Hello. Smells... Like Irish spring soap. <laughs> no Irish spring. Just don't get in my eyes. eyes and I'll be fine. So homegirl's name is Grace O'Malley. Hi, Grace. She Welcome was to the show. around in the 1500s. 
from the get, she's like, I want to do what boys do. Mm. And her dad was going on trading expeditions to Spain and stuff. And she's like, I want to come. He's like, no, no, no. Your hair will get caught in the sails. Girls can't come. No. What? And so she turns around. That is the lamest I know. reason That's to That's such decline. a dad reason for not doing something. That's like, can we do this? And them saying, we'll see. Yeah. So she goes inside, cuts all her hair off. And she's like, better? And then Tell she How goes. you like me now? Yeah. Because gender roles are fierce. And not in the fabulous way, more in the <laughs> oppressive AF way. So because that's a thing, she had to marry and have kids and like have a kind of traditional life. But then her husband died. I'm also sensing a pattern with these stories. <laughs> so what's a girl to do? Hmm. Hook up with a hot shipwrecked sailor. Yes. Why not? She was like, if I'm going to be a widow and be sad, like my tears will be caught by mm. this man's... Washboard ass. Sails. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> Things are going well for a while. But then New Boo is murdered by a squad called the McMenons. And Grace is pissed. She's like, can I live? Can I have one Just single one. thing? I would say not because living clearly seems to be an occupational hazard. Yeah. So for when women, she received the answer, no, you can't live from the McMenons, she's like, all right, then I'm going to murder all of you. Step in your guts and give new meaning to these expensive, red these bo- red shoes. bottoms, these bloody shoes. <laughs> So she kills them. She takes their castles. She renames one castle, which was called Cox Castle, to Hens Castle. Who's in charge now? Me. Yes, a woman. And then she's like, you know what, guys? I'm a little bored because I killed all those people. And, stuff. Mm-hmm. and that was exciting. More excitement. Let's go steal some stuff from the British because they're snobs and we hate them. Mm. Justifiedly so, I'd say. <laughs> And so that pissed off the English. Probably didn't show it, though. We just (laughs) steamed about it until we died. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, they did do something about it. They took her sons and her half-brother hostage. She sails directly to England, walks right into the royal palace. Yo, Elizabeth, you got a problem? You want to take this outside? Okay. What's good? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What's good, Miley, of the 1500s? She refused to bow for Elizabeth I because hashtag not my queen. Mm. She also had a tickle in her nose, so she sneezed, and this noble woman gave her a lacy handkerchief. And Grace blows her nose in it and then throws it in a fireplace. Mm. And then people are like, oh! And she's like, wait, you guys keep buggers? Yeah, you like, why? really want it that bad? <laughs> Throw it in the fireplace. It's done. All that said, Elizabeth was annoyed at the rudeness, but she's like, I respect her hustle. And I know how hard <laughs> it is out here for a woman who knows what she wants and takes it. Mm-hmm. So they agreed to disagree and she released the sons and the brother and they didn't really get on for the rest of their lives but in that one moment they were like i see you girl she was the recipient of the first ever elizabeth the first grant yes (laughs) promising young female talent (laughs) next we're going to mexico whoa (laughs) hang on let me just uh adjust my ship yeah so now we're in the 17th century Mm. with a woman named sor juana inez de la cruz Hi. Come on. She is born to a Spanish dad and a Creole mom. She loves learning in books. But she was born into a world where they don't like women knowing things. So she has to creep (sighs) away to a chapel and read her grandfather's books. And she ends up reading all about Greek logic, philosophy, natural science, music. And she knows shit (laughs) times. Is that the the official? Mm -hmm. And so she composes her first poem at the age of eight. She taught Latin to children at the age of 13. Mm -hmm. She, like, taught herself an Aztec language just because she had the time. Why not? And then she was like, I want to go to college, but only men can go. So she wanted to, like, disguise herself Yentl style. Mm -hmm. Be like, all right, let's do this. But then her family was like, 
no girl don't no mm-hmm. you're just gonna get in trouble so she ends up going to the court of a viceroy and ends up working for the viceroy's wife or something mm. <laughs> so i'm still laughing at the yentl reference <laughs> <laughs> super topical oh and she's there for a while but then people are noticing like Homegirl is so smart. Mm-hmm. And so the Viceroy assembles a panel of scholars to test her intelligence. Uh-oh. And <sighs> then they decide she's smarter than us. I was going <laughs> to say, yes. I'm envisioning this very much like the end of Flashdance, where there's like the panel of snooty dudes in the ballet school, and then she just kills it with her flashing dance. That's what the movie's about, right? Exactly. In a bar of soap. And, <laughs> oh. if you will, another iconic dance moment in time when Aunt and I Viv... Will. I will. When Aunt Viv on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air <laughs> came through and showed up them youngins. In okay. the spandex, exactly. I remember. <laughs> so, word got around that she was a walking Wikipedia, mm-hmm. if you will. And she also happened to be hot. So, all of the boys came to the yard, wanting some of the milkshake, mm-hmm. hounding her for her hand in marriage. But she was not interested. She was very irritated. And she was like, I just want to read. I want to write poetry and like be book smart by myself. Because I'm not going out tonight. Because when you know better, you do better. And right. clearly she knows more than all of them. So. Yeah. <laughs> so she did what anyone would do. The only way to get them off your back is to join a convent. You joke, but I genuinely debated that when I was 13. It just seemed like a great way of getting away from all the fools. Ah. Yeah. So there's a lot of downtime when you're not like praising Jesus all the time. So she's filled that time with writing raunchy lesbian love poems. Oh. <laughs> she's called one of the world's most daring erotic writers. So I'm going to read a bit of one of her poems. Come inside. Take off your coat. I'll make you feel at home. Now let's pour a glass of wine, because now we're all alone. Girl, you make me feel real good. We can do it till we both wake up. I want to sex you up. Wait, uh, oh. I was like... <laughs> Jamidra, you see what happened. We I, walked I, right I was like, into that. I was like, did Color Me Bad remake that? <laughs> or... I translated it from the Spanish, and it's been a while since I took Spanish class, so maybe it was lost mm. in translation. Yeah. It sounds a little like Color Me Bets, yeah. I Want to Sex You Up. You are the best and simultaneously the worst. <laughs> and I'm going to get even worse. <laughs> Baby, it's yours, all yours. If you want it tonight, I'll give you my red light special. Clearly, because there are also a lot of red her. lights in the convent. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I'll leave you with a few little tidbits from elsewhere around the world that I'm not going to get into in depth. But they have just like a little nugget that I feel like you should know about. Teeny chicken nuggets. Sybil Ludington from Connecticut rode 40 miles at the age of 16 from 9 p.m. to dawn to alert villagers about the British are coming. Ah, oh. right? Where is her due? Pauline right? Revere. And yes, and get this she rode twice as far as Paul Revere, and she was only 16, way younger than he was. Where is her uh, history page? I mean, I didn't know her lost. name. Haters all around us. Well, now we do. Sybil. You get your due here Mm -hmm. in the future on a podcast that some people listen to. (laughs) Sybil, thanks for coming on the show. The Dahomey Warrior Women, which we know from Black Panther, because they were the inspiration for Mm -hmm. the Scarred Women. Clearly the homies. They got so many privileges, far more than men, in their situation that they could leave court if they wanted to. Men couldn't. And when they were done with like fighting and drinking a lot and smoking a lot, a young girl would precede them with bells so that people could know, move, be, get out, get the, out the way, way, get out the way. Bell ringing hype woman. Basically like an ancient ludicrous that was there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, his impact is longstanding. I think you mean Fast and the Furious franchise star, ludicrous. And we'll end with Nancy Wake, who was a spy during World War II. 
She commanded more than 7,000 resistance fighters during the Nazi occupation of France, and she became the Gestapo's most wanted person. And one time she got caught in a tree because her parachute was all like, oh, yeah, because she's jumping from planes and things. And some Frenchman said that he wished all trees could bear such beautiful fruit. Oh, you know what Nancy said? (laughs) Nancy said, quote, don't give me that French shit. (laughs) Not here for it. I didn't make that up. That's what she said. (laughs) Direct quote. Yeah. So delightful to the Nancy's and Sybil's and Soriana Inez de la Cruz's. Mm. We see you here at the cooler Happy Women's History Month. Okay. Get your due, girl. Well, folks, since we are time traveling on the cooler today, I invite you to step into, not my DeLorean, but my Yaris. (laughs) Nice. <laughs> Which I've souped up, and we'll take this up to 55 miles per hour. Nice, nice. Come back with me to 2014. Ooh. I didn't say it was far away, just four years ago. Uh. So you got the Winter Olympics in Sochi. You've got Ebola. Oh. Uh, you're the Ice Bucket Challenge. Oh. Just trying I don't want to go back there. Exactly. Well, yeah, you definitely don't want to go back there because you know who's also back in 2014? Who? Iggy Azalea. Oh. oh. She is a legit thing in 2014. And I know you're scoffing. I can see you scoffing. Mm -hmm. I can hear you scoffing. Mm -hmm. But she was big in 2014. Mm -hmm. I have to confess, when the Clueless-inspired music video for Fancy came Uh out, I was like, who is this person? And I'm into the aesthetic. Mm -hmm. We Mm -hmm. were. Did you never Uh, bop to that song? This is what Mm -hmm. I want to know. I thought that she was talented, but my issue was the black scent. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that kind of like stopped short for me. Well, we, the cooler hosts, popped along to iHeartRadio on the Access podcast, a podcast about podcasts. Yeah. Do a little promotional interview for the cooler, mm-hmm. and uh, there'll be some kind of link online about how you can listen to that. And Iggy Azalea came up, and I thought, dear God, how quickly public opinion changes. Oh. She was it. I kind of feel bad for her a little bit because that tide turned quickly. Oh, yeah. Some shifts in public opinion, right? Like total no-brainers. Like Mel Gibson gets pulled over on the Pacific Coast Highway and does something foul and says foul anti-Semitic things and misogynist things. And we see his mugshot. That's not hard to work out why he fell from grace. And the thing that like really intrigues me is when there is not one big event that disgraces someone. With Iggy Azalea, there was no... Correct me if I'm wrong here, guys. There was no big revelation about her. It was more like an accumulating weight of evidence. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think with her, it was like, we knew what we were getting with her. Some of us just didn't care in the beginning. This and then we realized me. we should care. Like, how did we ever think it was okay to have a white Australian woman rapping and singing in a black accent back in 2014? Like, what was it about that time where we were like, yep, sign us up for more of that black People accent? People wanted to believe. I mean, the, I'm not going to lie, the song was hot. The fancy song was hot. The video was playing up on nostalgia. We've talked about just how much us millennials love nostalgia, right? So yeah. she took one of the most beloved classics. Use it as a Trojan horse, uh-huh. right? And then all outside of the horse came out her black side. And so Found here's the a moment. We have, a, like, I think it's just sort of like anytime there is a white person who steps into a medium that is typically associated with black or brown people automatically (laughs) (laughs) the term appropriation comes along (laughs) it just was a little (laughs) 
Justin Timberlake. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I have the cough as well. <laughs> Automatically, the term appropriation is being tossed around. Now, if that artist is talented, then people stop throwing around. So, like, you have Eminem. People recognize mm-hmm. that Eminem is a talented rapper. The thing with Iggy Azalea was, one, you had the black scent. Because it was like, honey, how are you from Australia? With a black scent. Like, just explain that to me. Like, if you want to be a rapper, how? that's one thing. But how, Sway? Like, how does that happen? <laughs> so that was one thing. The other piece of it was that as she started going on, like, these radio interviews and she started performing live, it became clear that she really was not that talented of a rapper. When she had to freestyle. When she had to freestyle. Oh. And she couldn't. Yeah, so that is the <gasps> thing. So they talk a lot about, like, black people talk a lot about we teach our children, our parents teach us, that in order to be accepted, you have to be twice as good. Yeah. Like, in order to make you have to be twice as good. The same thing is applicable to white people who want to be in rap. You need to be twice, three <laughs> times Australian. Yeah. You're And you're Australian, girl? So you had to bring it. She didn't bring it. But the, she, she supported Beyonce and Nas in 2013. I've forgotten that. What do you wow. mean supported? She went on tour with them. She oh, was their support no. act. Like someone in the Beyonce camp, presumably not Queen Bey herself, because would she have let that slip through? Yeah. But she must have given some kind of okay. In the rap industry, there are not a lot of female rappers to begin with, right? And then there are even less female white rap artists. Krayshawn, <laughs> oh God. Oh God. Uh, so then you have, like at that time, I think there's probably like Nicki Minaj. That's And, and Little Kim mm-hmm. is who, who people think. But at that time, Nicki Minaj was blowing up. So then it's like, oh, there's a white counterpart to that. Mm. Pop culture, specifically American pop culture, love to have a white face to whatever pop culture is happening. People wanted to believe, they wanted to believe that there could be a white woman who was talented enough to rise to the level of like Nicki Minaj in hip hop and rap. She found her moment, wrote it. And she's and then- cute though. I'm not going to get, she's she cute. And she and she capitalizes on all of those things. She's got the booty. She's, you know, like all of the things that people want to believe about what a sexy hip hop artist should be. She did that. Well, I want to step back also. And like, I'm really interested in when this happens to movies, because I started mm-hmm. thinking about what movies came out and to like almost universal acclaim. And now we look at them and we're like, Jesus, like Crash being one of them. Oh. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I like I was guilty of liking Crash. A lot of people yeah. were, we're guilty of friends anymore. <laughs> No, I'm just and to be clear, we're talking about the everyone's a little bit racist crash, not the sexy car crashes crash. Um, Were they like, doesn't someone have sex with like a cut off leg or with something? With like an open wound, I think, yeah. in the Cronenberg crash, Ooh, yeah. What? Yeah, it's a whole other Two thing. movies called Crash. Wow, I was like, one I of them is that one. more gruesome and in, doesn't feature Sandra Bullock. A little bit sexier. <laughs> and it also happened to American Beauty. Do you remember like everyone thought that was oh. so profound when actually you lift Dude. the hood and you're like, there's nothing there. I always thought American Beauty was creepy. <laughs> you're top. like, I knew about Iggy and I knew about American Beauty. I was Beauty. like, maybe I'm just now highbrow enough, but I'm looking at a paper bag or like a plastic bag yep. in the wind. Don't get it. Well, this man is like only a teenager. Don't get it. And I think like this is the key there. When we mistake something for something it is not, like with Iggy Azalea, American Beauty, Crash, like we think it's something better and more meaningful than it actually is. And then when we get this weight of evidence that accumulates that tells us like, oh, no, you were wrong about that. Mm. We really, as humans, we really don't like being wrong. And so we react to it and then you get your backlash. And it's way easier to mistake something for something it's not when it's also riding that moment, like Mm. the only moment it could hide in. I was also thinking about Lena Dunham as well. Like when she first came out, Mm. people genuinely thought she was this bright, blazing new talent. I'm guilty of that one. I am. It all comes out now. I tried to support that girl for a long time. This is the thing. And we thought that she was something profound. And the more she talks... And the more she defends mm. a, a 
male friend of hers who has been accused of some very terrible things, the more it becomes clear that we might have been wrong about that. And I think that's what explains like the force of backlash. Same thing with Jennifer Lawrence as well. Like she's not as like problematic, quote unquote, as Lena Dunham, but she was like heralded as this amazing like new force, this talent. And yeah, she's great. She's she's an actress. You'll see that one as well. And then Red Sparrow. I'm like, girl, girl. (laughs) And so she gets put into this movie, Mother, and then it's suddenly shown like the emperor has no clothes. Oh. I think it happened before that. Oh. ah. Not not necessarily in terms of her acting ability, but I feel like what people loved about her in the beginning of like, she's quirky and she Mm. says whatever she wants and she's unscripted and she's fun. Then it became annoying to the same people who found it fun and refreshing in the beginning. And so it can turn on you and there is like, a habitable zone kind of like with a planet like you can live <laughs> within these parameters but once you orbit out of that and you get into post 2014 you're yep. dead who was the one who was the most hated actress in the world the devil wears prada was it her oh name? Anne hathaway uh, and hathaway and hathaway was like beloved and then all of a sudden they were just like i can't stand her she's too perfect i think yeah. overexposure like plays a part as well like mm-hmm. more examples i think of like matt damon as well mm. and again mistaking him for something he's not you know we, we think he's profound. We, we think he's this guy that makes grand sweeping statements. And then you get him on Project Greenlight and turns out he says some really stupid yeah. things. And since we're going to mention Matt Damon, <laughs> we got to toss bro Ben Affleck in there because those two I don't were think like... we ever mistook him for profound though <laughs> no but not profound but do you remember when the two of them were like Hollywood golden that boys that is true they and were like they... the Boston boys made good you know and like they... boys from the wrong side yeah. of the tracks it couldn't stop producing movies about Boston which I as I understand <laughs> people from Boston are really not happy about them producing films about <laughs> like sort of the tough and gritty side of Boston because neither one of them are that so wait which examples jump to your mind well we already touched on Anne Hathaway. Mm. And it's not like she murdered anyone. Yeah. It's not like she got pulled over in Malibu and said, you know, that, you know, Jews are the cause of all the trouble in the world. That's a Mel Gibson quote. Not mm. a Carly quote. Not a Carly <laughs> quote. Nicki Minaj. People have turned on her. Mm. Tell me more. So back in the day, it was like, oh, we like her because she's like little Kim, but she's more pop culture-y and, you know, is just different. Had that amazing verse on Kanye's song. Oh, monster. Yeah. Everyone was just obsessed. And then as she became more exposed, to your point, people were like, oh, now I don't like her. And she's starting to feel herself. And it's like, well, you built her up and Mm -hmm. you're telling her she's amazing. And now she's believing it. And then when Sheether came out with Remy Ma's diss track, then everyone was luxuriating in her demise. And some of that has to do with her supporting her pedophile, allegedly, Mm -hmm. brother. But most of that came before all of those allegations came out. So she didn't really, like, do anything. She was Mm. always, like, bragging and, like, confident and whatever. There's no one thing that makes the tide turn. It's just this accumulation. mm. You always hated her? No, I didn't always hate her. But I think that what her, her demise has been facilitated by what I see as her paying homage to little Kim but not necessarily admitting it. Like, I think a lot of people think that she took Little Kim's whole And this shtick. is what I'm saying. We women mistake something for something that it isn't. Yeah. Like, we get really pissy about it. Yeah. Like, oh, she winked me. Exactly. <laughs> she took Little Kim's whole shtick, and then she sort of like, once she used that to capitalize, she kind of dismissed it, and then she never really paid her due. I think that's what a lot of people think. Yeah. The reason I wanted to talk to you guys about this is that I think it goes beyond like this like cyclical, oh, popularity is fickle thing. I think it is a combination of a few things, and I will tell you what they are. Mm. Number one, moments. I think people find moments, they're lucky to slip into them, they ride them, and then the moment goes. Number two, we don't like being wrong. And if we get proven wrong about someone or something, we get really annoyed about it. And number three, visibility. 
sometimes I think it isn't even about what these people do, but how visible it is and like how easy it is or not to conveniently ignore it if it doesn't fit with what we like to think. Like with Mel Gibson, we have like a mugshot. He looks like crap in it. We have it. It was printed everywhere. We have a police verified quote with Jennifer Lawrence. It's like a big public failure of a movie that you can't you can't look away from that. And with Matt Damon, it's that awful awful Project Greenlight clip mm. that everyone should go and look up right now. With Lena Dunham, it's everything she said. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> it's like, and I can't help but wonder who's going to be next. Oh. Guys, fortune tell with me. Be soothsayers. Mm-hmm. Who's big now? Who's not going to be? I Ooh. have two guesses and I think it's going to happen. Come on. And it's upsetting. Just like what happened with Jennifer Lawrence, the reason why we like someone is their idiosyncratic personality mm-hmm. and just like saying whatever. Tiffany Haddish is going to start getting on people's nerves. Oh, no. Don't say that. You I'm know not it's here gonna for happen. that. I can't do it. It's recorded now. People are going to say, oh, I'm sick of her shtick. People will tire of her thing. But it's like who she is. And you liked it at one point. I think people are fickle. And the other person, I think, for the same reason that I just said, but also because she's going to say something problematic soon, like maybe today. Oh, I know who it is. I already Cardi know who it is. I, yeah, oh, I, I knew it was coming. A lot of people think that that train has sailed Yeah, already. <laughs> Guys, I'm worried about The Rock. Oh! I'm really concerned that The Rock is going to face that backlash. I think that stuff is going to come out about his political leanings that people are not going to be so into. And I say this is someone who loves The Rock. I'm worried. Hard times ahead. Also, I'm going to go on record. I think La La Land will be the new American beauty. Oh, it already uh, is. It already it is, is, right? Yeah, again, yeah. So maybe I am a soothsayer because that <laughs> one is another one that I refuse to Nostradamus, watch. is that you? <laughs> you heard it here first, people-ish. <laughs> It's the pig and the pig. Hey, the pig and the pig. Hey. It is time for us to talk about this week's peak and this week's pit. Want it? Love it. Okay. So, you know, we spend a lot of time dragging men on this show. Mm-hmm. Specifically, white men. Sorry, man behind the glass. <laughs> <laughs> but we do, just being honest. So I just want to take an opportunity to give a little bit of shine to a man who is doing things right right now. Oh. Who is? Ah, this week's peak is a bit of a double peak, if you will. Okay. Twin uh, peaks. Twin peaks, yes. <laughs> uh, given that the first peak is that... Queen Serena Williams is returning back to the tennis court, or at least she's going back to, you know, get ready to start snatching wigs. So, for your weave, mm-hmm. that's what she wig. does. That's what she does. <laughs> Be prepared, as Scar would say. Yes. So, I hope you girls were practicing double time while she was on her downtime and getting prepared. Yeah, there's no hope for them. Okay. <laughs> so, the second peak, enter this man who is doing right by his queen, Serena. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. Is this going to be Alexis? This is Alexis. And uh-huh. he's giving new meaning to three billboards. Exactly. <laughs> so this shot goes out to Alexis Ahenian, who is Serena Williams' husband. So mm-hmm. as you know, Serena took some time out to have her child, Olympia, who is also going to be snatching wigs in about like 10, 15, 20 years. Maybe just five. Just Yeah, of course. He decided that on her first day back to work from maternity leave, a lot of mothers, when on their way back, uh, when they have like a newborns, get really sad. We feel like bad mothers. We should be at home with them. So he decided 
to stand up and do something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what he did was he bought four. Yes, people, four. One, two, three, four billboards Mm -hmm. (laughs) to let his wife know on her way to work every single day just how important she is and that she is, quote, the GMOT. Oh. And that stands for greatest mom of all time. Well played. Very nice. Well played. So when she's driving to work, she looks over, she sees one billboard that says, boom, greatest, second, mom, third of all time, and then it's followed up with a picture of her child, and it says, Gmote, greatest mom of all time. I'm just saying, out of all the trash men that we discussed, I just felt like I'd take an opportunity to highlight one that is doing something good and encourage all of y'all to take notes. And our poor listeners are out here, they can't even get a text back. I'm saying. (laughs) So the next time your boo thing, or alleged, I should say, alleged boo thing, refuses to text you, you'll remember that Serena Williams got some billboards. Mm -hmm. Okay? Got four. Mm. Where's your yard sign? Where is your yard sign? Mm -hmm. Can I get a post-it? Okay. (laughs) So this week's pit is going to go out to McKinsey and Company's Leading States Index. Because I got a bone to pick with them. I don't understand the words you just said. Well, I'll repeat it again. (laughs) McKinsey and Company's Leading States Index. That sounds like a company that operates like stagecoaches for Mm. saloon delivery in the 1880s. Well, maybe they should move into that business. Because what they're doing right now is making me highly upset. Who they? So who they? McKinsey runs around and they call themselves ranking states based on their Quote, quality of life. Uh Uh-oh. And what they did this week was they decided that California ranks at the lowest quality of life. Lies. Of all states. What? Mm Mm-hmm. We have, like, the biggest economy as a state. We have sunshine. People move thousands of miles to live here. It's beautiful. So basically what they do is they rank based on a few different categories. One is health care. Another one is education, the economy, opportunities, infrastructure, crime, Uh, fiscal stability and quality of life. And yes, if you do hear a highlighter, that is me highlighting because I just want to make sure I got my facts straight. Okay. So California ranked lowest in quality of life and fiscal responsibility. Wait, hang on. So fiscal responsibility is... They're saying we don't know how to manage our money, basically. How rude. Rude. Why? Because we're using it to like help people exactly. unlike other just states? Just because when the ATM says to me, do you want to see your balance? Just because I press no, okay. that doesn't make me fiscally irresponsible. Exactly. Screw you. We did, however, score high in the state of the economy because, you know, we wreck it in. <laughs> So you'll take the coins, but then you'll talk smack behind our back and put it in your little index. Exactly. No. But we failed in a little category called citizen opportunity. I mean, what they're saying, we don't have opportunity. Not opportunity to go to the beach, I'm guessing. Um, Exactly. Yeah. Because we got got lots of those. Boom. If it's a cold beach, but it is a beach nonetheless. But as I mentioned, we came in dead last for physical responsibility and quality of life. Meanwhile, you got states like Iowa who ranked number one. What? Excuse me? Uh Uh-huh. Because they get to decide elections? Uh Uh-huh. And uh, Minnesota who ranked number two. Oh, they are nice in Minnesota. Mm. (laughs) Quality of niceness. Would you move to Iowa? Or Minnesota. I have no plans and, to do that. Uh, um, well, you know, let's let's be kind. Let's not set this up as a like a fisticuffs between the states. The states are different. They have much to commend them mm-hmm. in many different ways. But I'm just saying California's the best. <laughs> Don't make me question my decision. You hear that, McKenzie? McKenzie and company. So listen, what you might want to do is, as Carly so kindly suggested, stagecoach industry. Yeah. Perhaps. Maybe you can get a job on Westworld. Listen, that liquor isn't gonna <laughs> deliver itself. <laughs> The point is, saloons. stop bragging on our state. Just because you're jealous. You don't even go here. So I have often talked about on this show my obsession with television. Mm-hmm. I love it so much that I actually went to school and studied it in college. 
<laughs> That's how deep my love affair goes. You can now turn a television on. I'm just saying. <laughs> You're one step away from being in one of those documentaries where the people are like obsessed with an object and marry it. Oh, yeah. So I mm. would. Well, I, well, if I did marry that television, I would have had to upgrade at this point. I would have been. I'd be divorced at least 10 times because mm-hmm. I had like an old school floor model. You know the ones. Oh, yeah. yeah. With the turn And knobs. you're like, I want his body to be flat. <laughs> And mounted. Curved. <laughs> curved and thin. You could be friends with that lady who was married to the Eiffel Tower and then the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh, and then her yeah, crossbow. Yeah. It's like crossbow. You were like doing is... all these big things and then. Way to settle. Yes. My love affair with television, it started during the Renaissance. The black television renaissance of the 1990s. Mm-hmm. Shows like Hello. Martin and Girlfriends and Living Single, all of that. And so every now and then there are a few shows that come along and they bring me back those vibes. Yes. Insecure is one. And another one is Atlanta. Yeah. Donald. Which just premiered early this month, season two, dubbed Robin Season. So leading up to this season, I did a lot of listening to Childish Gambino. Well, you know, I have to do my studying. And I was like, (laughs) let me just get used to being around Gambino so that when he shows up as Earn, who is Donald Glover, a lot of personalities here. Yeah. I will be prepared. I, I will have spent a lot of time with him. So I've been listening to his album, Awaken My Love, which has a few tracks on it. And when I came in here this morning, I was dead set on featuring Redbone. But then, you know, the haters. <laughs> you know, the haters over at McKinney and Company made me change my mind. And oh. instead, I'm going to go with a track on the album, Little Diddy called California. Oh. Because still, despite the hate, people still want to move here. Yeah, and there's no song called Iowa. Just saying. I, I genuinely don't think there is. Ooh, shots fired. So let's just listen in on Donald Glover doing an impression of Childish Gambino, doing an impression of Oh Dirty Bastard, <laughs> singing California. R.I.P. All the people all around me follow people like watching me. Make a groove and make a giggle. Make a kiss so official. Make a ceremony feast to something no make no residual. Make a money you Putting the cooler together takes a village, so we'd like to thank the village, mainly David Marcus, our executive producer, for just having our back and all that stuff. Until next time, find us on social media. Jamidra is at Jamidra Says on all social media. And Emmanuel is at Excuse My Beauty with the E on Instagram and without it for various legal reasons <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> and get your cup of tea with Carly on all relevant social media platforms with Teacup in the Bay. Like our photos. Thanks. (laughs) 